Welcome to the Antioch Austin podcast. Wherever you're listening from, we hope this message encourages you. For more information about Antioch Austin, please check our website at AntiochATX.com. Good morning. My name is Chris. I'm one of the pastors on staff here. We're glad that you're here. Merry Christmas. It's almost, we won't get to say that except for one more time on Christmas Eve. We're excited to, to be doing that with you. You know, if you've, this is your first time with us, we're in a season called Advent. And if you're new to church, what Advent is, it's, it's a season right around the Christmas time when Christians all over the world focus on a few things. This word Advent actually means arrival. And the reason we focus on it, because Christmas is meant, us to, is meant for us to look at the arrival of Jesus. And so we take this season and we look at some different aspects of what Jesus brought when he arrived here on earth. And so this Advent is about arrival, but not just the first arrival, but a second arrival. It's meant to to get our hopes up, to get our eyes looking forward to another arrival that is coming. It is Jesus returning. So whenever we look at Advent, it's meant to to help us look back at the first arrival and what Jesus brought and what is actually available to us today. But it's also meant to stir hope for what is coming. And so today we're going to look at something that Jesus has brought into our life and that he's actually bringing, again, to a fuller, more complete understanding where, where the full stain of sin has been washed away and we can see this more complete. And what we're going to be talking about today is joy. Joy. See, joy is something we usually equate with great circumstances happening in our life. See, for me, Christmas is a season of joy. You know, for some, it's not. For some, this season has been hard throughout their life. It's been a challenge. I'm thankful that that wasn't my experience growing up. And it still hasn't been my experience. You know, it was always a season of great joy, great anticipation. Because that's one of the things that joy creates, is joy creates an an anticipation, doesn't it? It stirs something within you. There's an excitement because joy keeps something in front of you. You're joyful because you see something, because something is happening. Something is going to be happening. There's something in front of you that joy is stirring. Sometimes joy is hard to contain. You know, last night I got kind of frustrated with one of my sons because he walked in our bedroom and he, uh, he saw his, his Christmas present laying in our closet and I was a little annoyed by that because I told him to stay out of there. And mom was going to be wrapping presents. And as I laid in bed and was thinking about that, and honestly I was disappointed. I remembered a Christmas about 30 years ago where I woke up on Christmas morning about 3 in the morning and decided that I needed to look at my gifts. It was time. And so I went out there and unwrapped all my Christmas presents, only to have my grandmother walk out and catch me. And she asked me, what are you doing? 
your mom is going to kill you. And the reality of what had just taken place, the carnage of just wrapping paper strewn all over the living room in the middle of the night hit me. And I realized I will never play with these toys because I will be dead. And so I proceeded to go back to bed. My brother was there with me. I mean, he felt no remorse whatsoever. His head hit the pillow and he was out. I lay there for the next hour just like in turmoil, just wondering what did I just do? Joy had overtaken me. The anticipation of what was to come had just dominated my feelings. And I couldn't control it. So I did what every good son would do. I went to the linen closet and rewrapped all my gifts and blankets. And when my mom came out and saw them wrapped in blankets, she cried. And then I opened them and pretended to be surprised. And it's still one of her favorite memories. See, we, we tend to equate joy with things like that. Fun memories, great circumstances, things that went your way, the promotion that you got. You know, we, we tend to equate it with that, but joy is more than that. If you look at joy in the scriptures, there's some really unique times that joy is referenced. Times that it doesn't seem to make the most sense. This can't be a joyous occasion. How could this be when joy was released? See, but joy is not just something that happens when things are going your way. Joy is something that is produced within us by the Holy Spirit. When we see God at work, you can see him at work in your life. You can see him at work in your friends. You can see him at work across a big picture of what God is doing throughout the earth. It's something that is produced within us when, by the Holy Spirit when we see God at work. No matter what is going on in our lives. We can experience happiness, but joy is something different. Joy is something that keeps hope that keeps a promise of God in front of us. It keeps something in front of us, even in hard circumstances, because joy is bigger than just happiness. Joy is bigger than just a good memory. Joy is something that allows you to be able to walk through pain, to not just walk through it, but intentionally look at it and say, I'm going into that. Okay, here I go. See, joy, when it's produced in your life, won't hold you back in what feels like a good bubble. It'll actually push you forward into pain because you know what lies on the other side of it. There's a great story in Luke chapter 1 that we want to look at. And it's a really powerful story. But it's pretty tough. See, but there was joy. That kind of joy we talked about that gets produced within you, that that joy that comes from that Galatians 5, 
experience. It's the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. Did I get them all? All right. You know, above these things, there are no law. Galatians 5, 22 and 23. It's the fruit of the Holy Spirit being worked out in your life. It is not just something you get occasionally. It's actually something that is planted, that is watered, and that is harvested in your life. Fruit just doesn't appear. Fruit is worked for. Fruit is something that has to be developed. See, God is wanting for you to bear fruit. And part of the fruit that he's wanting us to bear is the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Holy Spirit being evidenced and worked through our life. The fruit that shows that throughout my days, throughout my weeks, I have been seeking God. I've been letting him speak to me and lead me and guide me no matter what situation I face. It's the, the evidence that God is moving in my life. Whenever I'm experiencing a lack of some of the fruit of the Spirit, it makes me ask, God, what am I turning to? Because the evidence of peace is not in my life. So maybe there's some other fruit that's being born, and I need to figure out what am I watering? Because something has been planted in my life. There's been some sort of seed that got planted. I have watered it, and now I am harvesting anger rather than peace with my family. Okay, God, what is going on there? See, and so joy can be something that is planted in our life, that is watered in our life, and that is then harvested out of our life, no matter what circumstance you find yourself in. See, God is the one who plants something. Let's walk through this kind of analogy that we're in. God is the one who plants something. There's a seed that he wants in your life. God is the one who wants this joy in your life. It's why he came, so that we could experience the the fullness of what he has. So God wants joy in my life. So he's going to plant joy. And then he's going to give opportunity to see that thing watered in my life. So there's going to be ways that I can water it. I can believe God. I can grab hold of a promise of God. I can trust in him in a situation. And I can see the seed that he planted watered in my life. And then there's going to be opportunity to see that thing harvested. What happens when fruit is harvested? People eat. So I can then harvest that fruit. I can take that thing that God has been doing and I can then share it with somebody else and feed them. And they can all of a sudden begin to experience the joy that I was growing within me as I trusted in God, as I believed in God, as I hoped in God, as I kept him in front of me in my circumstances. It can be a blessing to other people as God then harvest the fruit that has been growing inside of me. Sometimes we feel like God is not doing anything in our lives when it's not harvest season. Have you ever felt like that? Maybe you're, you're in a season of life where it feels like you've got no fruit being given out. 
Well, in that season, what God is doing is he's actually watering the fruit that's already in. So don't try to give the fruit prematurely. Let it mature. You ever eaten some, some unripe fruit and it just doesn't taste right? See, God wants to see that fruit fully matured, fully developed. All right, so let's, let's look back at our story here. We're going to look at, at Luke chapter 1. It's a, a famous Christmas story. Beginning in verse 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at these words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. Has that ever struck you as odd? God shows up and says, greetings, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. And she's like, what's going on here? But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, for you have found favor with God. Now here's where the planting is about to take place. God's about to speak to her what's going to take place. He says, you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. The promise is just planted. God plants a promise in in Mary. She says, how will this be? Because I'm still a virgin. And the angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy, the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even your, Elizabeth, even your relative Elizabeth is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be unable to conceive is now in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. And then Mary responds with some powerful words. And this is what it looks like to water. A seed gets planted. God speaks a promise to Mary. And he says, hey, you're going to get pregnant. I know you're a virgin, and that seems impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Some of you feel like God has spoken an impossible dream to you. God has planted something in you that you're not sure how could happen. You have no idea how God could do this thing. Well, we serve the God of the impossible. We serve the God that shows up to a virgin, a teenager. And he says, you're going to conceive. She said, not possible. He said, watch. Watch what I do. Watch how I do what you could not do. Watch how I do what beyond you can understand. Watch how I do something that is bigger than you, that is going to confound you, that is going to confuse people for generations to come. Watch what I do. People are going to be amazed at what I do. And it's, she asked a question. You know, and some of you have asked questions. God, how's this going to happen? Sometimes we think when we ask God questions that it's wrong. Some of you have been told that. 
that it's wrong to ask, to question God. Now, there's a motive place that you need to understand. But Mary asked a question. God, how, how's this going to happen? God, how are you going to do this? And he says, this is how I'm going to do this. Do you think she understood? Do you think this teenage girl who in that culture and time would have been one of the lowest on the totem pole? And in that culture, women were treated as second-class citizens. And not only that, she was a teenage girl. She wasn't a matriarch. She hadn't earned a place of influence and authority in her culture and in her society. She was overlooked, unrecognized, which is probably why she was surprised that an angel showed up to her in the first place. So she asked a question, and, and, and God gives her an answer, probably an answer that went over her head. The Holy Spirit's going to overshadow you, and you'll conceive that way. And she's going, yes, sure. But look at her response. Even when she doesn't understand fully, you can see something being watered. She just says, I'm the Lord's servant. May your word be fulfilled in me. This is what it looks like to water the thing that God's planting. Is to look at him and say, I believe. God, I believe you're going to do what you said you're going to do. God, I believe that you're going to get me through this, even though it feels like this is going to crush me. God, I believe. I don't fully understand how you're going to do it. It doesn't make sense to me, even why I'm here. But God, I believe. I trust you. I'm with you. I'm for you, God. You do what you're going to do. I'm with you. When you're not sure... You're, you're facing this situation. You're facing your challenge. Sometimes what we have to do is we have to look back at what God already said and say, God, I believe you're still going to do it. So often when we lose sight and we end up losing our fruit, we end up losing our joy, it's because we lost sight of what God originally said he was going to do. You know, so many times when I found myself stuck. When I found myself in a situation, when I found myself in a season, because sometimes we find ourselves stuck, not in a situation, but we find ourselves stuck in a season. We find ourselves just feeling like, I just don't know how to get traction. I feel like I'm just spinning my wheels, wondering, is this just how it is now? See, I have to look back and remember what God said. I have to look back and remember who he said I was. I have to look back and remember and have to say, nope, I believe. I may not feel like all this is working out. I may not understand how this is going to take place. God, your answer may just have gone right over my head, but I believe. 
Sometimes all we can say is, God, I'm with you. I'm your servant. I'm not going anywhere. You're not going anywhere. So whatever you want to do, I'm with you. You're going to do what you said you're going to do. I trust you. And that thing gets watered. That fruit in you begins to grow a little bit. And you find yourself facing an impossible situation. You know, let's give a little context to, to what's happening in this story. Mary's a, a teenage girl who's pledged to be married to Joseph. So word gets around town that Mary's pregnant. Not so good for Mary. What the law says is that Mary should be stoned to death. No one's going to believe her story, and no one did believe her story. Joseph did after an angel showed up and said, no, this is real. You need to get in line, son. But no one else believed. What do you think they said about Jesus years later? Illegitimate son. See, Mary was about to go through the trial of her life. What God initiated with her, we read and we think, wow, it is a great blessing. But we don't always understand the context. We don't understand that the blessing that God just released on her was going to throw her into the hardest season she'd ever face in her life. The favor that God spoke over her was going to lead her into a place where she was going to be tested and tried more than she had ever been tested and tried. So what was growing on the inside had better be good fruit. Because when you go through a season like that, what's on the inside comes out. And look at what comes out of Mary. Let's jump to verse 46. It says, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has been mindful of, his humble, of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arms. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but he has lifted the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but he has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. Mary was about to go through the hardest season of her life, and she harvests the fruit that has been growing within her. She begins to testify of who God is and what he's done in her life. She begins to declare what God has done in the past. She begins to declare what God is doing in the future. She begins to declare what God is doing in her right now. The fruit gets harvested. She says, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look forward. See, I said earlier that joy 
has something in front of us. Joy can have its troubles. It can go through trials. It can face hardship, and it can face tough circumstances. And joy can still be the thing that comes out of you. Because you know what God said. Because you remember what he promised to do. Because you believe in who he is and who he's called you to be. But you got to keep that thing in front of you. You got to keep the circumstance, and not the circumstance in front of you, you got to keep what God said in front of you. Because you're going to face hard circumstances. You're going to face messy situations. You're going to face trials. And you can hang, you can face them with your head up high, not hanging down low. You can face them with, with joy coming out of you. And it'll be confusing to people. It'll be confounding. But it'll give you an opportunity to testify, to harvest the fruit. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 34, let me get there. Here we go. Got it. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 34. Speaking to some early followers of Jesus, it says, You suffered along with those in prison and joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property. Why? Because you knew that you yourselves had a better and lasting possession. What is that saying? You keep the promise of God in front of you and you can face the tough situation. You can get through that hard season. You can find joy in your pain. You can find joy in your trial because you keep the promise of God in front of you. But we've got to remember the promise. We've got to keep Jesus in front of us. We've got to keep him there and say, God, I don't know how this is going to work out. I don't know what's going to happen to me. But I believe that you're going to come through. You know, I think about what Mary might have done. She knew the law. She knew that if anyone found out that she was pregnant, that she was going to be in trouble. She knew that it meant that she would be stoned, that she would lose her life. Well, in the bet, on some nights, she, she felt a little anxious. She felt a little worried. She wondered if the baby that was growing within her was ever going to even be born. Have you had some long nights? Has the wondering and the questioning of how God is going to do what he's going to do kept you awake? What you do in that moment is you keep the promise of God in front of you. 
you keep the joy. You keep the, 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 the thing that God said in front of you, and then joy begins to arise. You begin to face the situation. You begin to say, I don't actually know how this is going to work out. But I'm keeping Jesus in front of me. I'm keeping his word in front of me. I'm keeping his promise in front of me. Even though I don't understand. Even though it doesn't make sense to me. Even though I can't see yet what God is going to do. I'm going to keep the promise in front of me. Hebrews chapter 12, beginning in verse 1. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles us. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out before us. Get this, fixing our eyes on Jesus, keeping our eyes on what he said, understanding that the promise still lies before us, believing him when he said, and his words will never fail. Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning at shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. What's set before you? What's before you right now? Have you set your circumstances before you? Is that what you see? Have you set your questions, not your questions of, God, how are you going to do this? But your questions that aren't possible to answer. That are questions far more about you than they are wondering, God, what are you up to? What have you set before yourself? What's before you today? See, God wants to be before you in this situation. Because when he knows that he's before you, when, when he's what's in your sight, when the promise of what he said is what you got your eyes fixed on, that what you're going to experience is the fruit being harvested. You're going to have an opportunity to find that joy in the difficult situation. You're going to find yourself looking at a situation just like Jesus that doesn't look like it's beneficial for you in any way. And you're going to find yourself going, I'm going to go through this with joy. I'm going to go through this. Not being overrun, but I'm going to go through this knowing that God is going to be with me. Because I see God at work. I see him at work. I see what he's doing in me. See, when you start to set God before you, you start to see what he's doing. You start to see how he's been moving at your, at your place of work. You start to see how he's been transforming your own life. You start to see, man, I used to do this, and now I do this. God, thank you for what you're doing. See, what we put before us, you know, it's been said in, in different ways. 
You know, but what you behold, you become. You, you put your difficult circumstances in front of you, you're going to become hopeless and despondent in your circumstances. Because all you're going to see is what could go wrong. The pain that could happen, the disappointment that could take place, the despair that you find yourself in. But you start to set Jesus before you. You start to set his promises before you. You know, the reason I think Mary was able to endure that time is because she had a word. She had a word from God that said he's going to sit on the throne of David forever. This this child that's growing in you is not only going to live, but he's going to be called the son of the most high. He's going to sit on a throne forever. He's going to be the redeemer that Israel always needed. There was a hope that was stirred as she looked at the promise. And so what's before you today? I believe God wants to harvest a bunch of joy. I think there's also people going through really hard circumstances. And I want to believe for a breakthrough in those circumstances. And I believe God can do that. But I also want you to carry joy, even if he doesn't bring it the way you want it to happen. Because this circumstance doesn't have to crush you. What you're going, this season that feels like it won't end. Some of you are already saying, I can't wait for 2018 to end. It's 2019 is going to be my year. I'm ready for this season to end. Well, it's not over yet, and let joy be harvested. Put Jesus in front of it. Remember what he said. What did he say? I want you to stand to your feet.